Howdy gamers, Leighton here. I've got some very exciting news for you. Not only can you put this podcast all up inside of your ears and cavities, you can now put this podcast on your body with the Leighton Knight exclusive long sleeve terminally online shirt and proprietary uh, patent pending Leighton Knight three peaches and one lemon beanie. This March drops next Friday, February 5th, and we have a limited stock, so patrons of all tiers get first dibs, and then the store will be made available to the general listening public. So if you want to put things on your body, go to www.patreon.com slash night. Do people still say www? Anyway, the merch is cute. You should get it. Love you. Enjoy the episode. Should I have logged in with a different name than Sexy Keanu? No, it doesn't matter. I w- kind of want to post the tracks and be like, guess who this guest is? <laughs> That's really good. I was thinking exactly that. <sighs> Do it. You have been a highly requested return guest and frequent favorite episode uh, response. Yay. I'm so lucky to be so blessed by fans. Welcome back. In our best of 2020, we played, do you remember our conversation about nipple secretions? Brian, how could I ever forget that conversation. I'm <laughs> oh, just asking. I don't like to presume. It's just one of the most important things that ever happened to me. So it's a thing that I consider in moments of meditation. Like, what if? <laughs> what, I, I mean, it, it haunts me literally a year later. It's like, what would happen if you got like impacted tit milk? <laughs> and we're back into it. <laughs> this, this is the thing. The only thing that would have been more wonderful than just the memory of discussing it is if it actually happened to me, if mm-hmm. I could secrete weird shit from my tit. If it manifested and it's like, okay, I'm back a year later. I am the breakfast queen. Yes. That would be like a nipple secret, you know, like the secret. (laughs) Is this a pun? I'm manifesting. That's what I'm talking about. It's on your nipple vision board. And then it happened. (laughs) (laughs) You know know who's on my nipple vision board? Uh, I would love to know. The seven foot tall vampire big mommy milkers, (laughs) resident evil lady. (laughs) Mommy milker, resident evil lady. Trust me with those honkers. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think I can say these things because my mom will listen to this. She's not listening to this. She's so going to listen to this. She listened to the last one. Oh, God. Oh, well, then she might. Okay, then I retract my statement. All right, Mom, I'm gay. I just want you to know I'm, I'm <laughs> bisexual. <laughs> also, you have full editorial control, so if you want us to cut anything out, we can cut it out. I mean, everybody knows except her. That's her problem. <laughs> Do we just feature our first ever late night coming out? (laughs) (laughs) To put it as Phoebe Bridgers did, congratulations to all of you coming out, but I didn't have to. And then she posted pictures of her in like short shorts, cop costumes. I don't know if it was a Reno 911 bit. I can't remember. Yeah. (laughs) She didn't have to. And I don't think I have to either. Wait, she dressed up as Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911. That's awesome. (laughs) I think so. Let me pull it up because I stand Phoebe. That's bisexual culture. But yes, a Resident Evil for Resident Evil Village, they dropped a trailer that everyone's freaking out about because like it's just a bunch of sexy ladies and uh one of them is exactly what it sounds like, seven foot tall vampire woman with a claw hand and a big hat and just massive bazongas. <laughs> She's huge. <laughs> My entire timeline has just been like nonstop explicit fan art of this woman. <laughs> was this yesterday that this trailer came out? 
I believe so, yeah. I don't know. Time is fake in quarantine. I don't know how to get this to Brian, but I can get it to Layton. What's this now? The Instagram of E.B. Bridge. Oh, yeah. Zencaster chat. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I absolutely love the girl dressed as Black Swan, Natalie Portman in the front yeah. row, and then the girl in the beret. Yeah, that rules. Staring at Phoebe in awe. It's fantastic. Allie, what's your favorite Phoebe song? Right now, it's Funeral. Hell yeah. That song is like literal pain condensed into three minutes or whatever, however long it is. Funeral is just so sad. I love it. Yeah. Same for me, but with Savior Complex. Yeah. Savior Complex has been last week's like endless loop. I legitimately heard that as Savior Complex <laughs> when you first said it. <laughs> she keeps doing like new arrangements of songs. I do want to see Savior Complex. <laughs> See, now I'm thinking like, you know, people set up Plex servers to like share movies and such with their friends. Like a, a savior complex would be doing some J.O.s with the bros. Yeah, that's, great. that's fun. I don't know her music really at all. What should I start with? Just listen to all of Punisher, multiple Grammy nominated album. Punisher's fantastic. But, you know, like as a Phoebe bitch, I'm like Stranger in the Alps. Like you have to listen to Stranger in the Alps. That's an album or a song? Both of those are albums and songs on the albums, I think. Actually, Stranger in the Alps doesn't have a song. Phoebe Bridgers is just like condensed millennial depression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. She has a ton of albums. Well, she does a lot of collabs. She did a collab with Connor Bright Eyes. Oberst. Yeah, she's, they're, they're really good friends. They made Better Oblivion Community Center, which is fantastic, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Boy Genius with Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus, or Dacus. I don't know how to say her name. I'm sorry. But also fantastic. Okay, I'm going to pick one right now and listen to it and give my opinion. All right, I'm ready. All right, which one should I pick? Listen to Savior Complex. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fifth top track. Here we go, Savior Complex happening. You should see the music video for it, too. I love it. Yeah, it was directed by the other Phoebe. Yeah, Phoebe Waller's Bridge. I can really hear the bright eyes simpatico here. I'm pretty sure when Phoebe records, she makes a little summoning circle and she like puts down like some sad objects like the tooth of a child or something <laughs> like that. Baby tooth, not, you know, we don't want to take any dead children teeth. I wouldn't put a pastor. She's using one of these very effective, and I say this not, uh, as a criticism, cliches, which is four, four minor, one, which is always... I don't know what that means, but it's musical. It's, it's just chords. Yeah, honestly, break this down. She summons Elliot Smith, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can hear that for sure. Yeah, Elliot Smith, Jeff Mangum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of her songs is about Elliot Smith. Oh, yeah. Ellie, is there confirmation that that one song is about Connor Oberst? Like, which song? You're sick and you're married and you might be dying. Oh, wow. I can't sing. Moon Song. I actually don't know what that song's about. I just know that Motion Sickness is about... That shitty guy. That piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me a lot of Sea Change by Beck. Do you know that album? I think I do. I'm, you have to describe the cover for me. It's Beck's breakup album. It's his big face and he's got kind of like little swashes of color on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a great album. That's great. I really like it. It is not the style of thing I often listen to, but I will check more of this out. She's a very talented lyricist, so I think that is what wins many people over. Oh, yeah. She just has, like, certain ways of, like, say, singing things. Like, something about her saying, start a big fire in our one-room apartment. Like, fuck you, Phoebe. Enunciation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are y'all's favorite breakup albums? Man, I've been through a breakup. I've been married for almost 14 years, so it's been a while. 
I mean, in the terms of not a thing that you would listen to during a breakup, but albums that are a breakup album, such as fucking Fleetwood Mac. Oh. The worst one that came to mind for me is Hospice by the Antlers. <laughs> That's not a breakup <laughs> album. That's a bit worse than a breakup. That's a death album. <laughs> Honestly, for me, Sea Change by Beck is way, way up there. Uh, I really do love that album. It's not a breakup album, but I think about it because I was going through a breakup when I heard it. It was also one of my favorite albums of all time. It's uh, The Unauthorized Biography of Reinhold Messner by Ben Folds Five. Oh. It's a really, really great album. I have not heard it. I think it was kind of a flop for him. It has one song, Army, that got a bunch of radio play, but it's a really beautiful album. (laughs) All right, here's my story about that album. I was listening to that when I was moving. So this would have been 2004. I was just graduating from grad school and planning to go on to a postdoc in Boston. And I was dating this girl out there. And I could tell that it wasn't really going to last very long. Actually, my highlight of that relationship, about a month in, it was kind of a thing where she was pretty clingy. And I was like, you know, well, actually, I'm just about to defend my thesis and I kind of need some alone time to like think about that and work on that. And she said, well, look, Brian, I totally get that. I know you're a scientist and you're in grad school. You need your alone time. What I'm just asking you, though, is why can't your alone time include me? Oh, That's no. like something, if my dog could speak, I think those would be the only words that she would say. If Audrey could speak. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that quote has stuck with me for years. Why can't your alone time include me? So being a, a young, well, however old I was, 29 at the time, I decided to drop a subtle hint about the future, suspected future of our relationship. And I played a song off that Ben Folds album called Don't Change Your Plans for Me. Oh, no. Subtle. Oh, no. I played it for her, and I was like, what do you think? And it made her sad. And then I felt very bad. And we did break up not long after that. There's a whole fucking story here, but... The slow descent. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Okay, I will tell this story. I've never told this story publicly. (laughs) I'm so excited. Exclusive. Okay. So this is slightly after me playing this track for her. I think it was February, something like that. We'd only been dating a couple months and I'd known for a while that her birthday was coming up. And because I was in a band, we had a gig scheduled many months in advance on her birthday. I'm going to make up a name. Give me a female name. Jane. I'll call her Jane. And I was like, all right, Jane, I know your birthday's coming up, but look, I'm in this band. We've scheduled this gig months in advance. I'm just telling you in advance that we cannot do anything on your birthday. Why don't we go out for dinner the night before? And then on your birthday, if you want to, you can come to this show. And unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be. And she was like, I totally get it. Completely fine. Great. So I take her out to a nice dinner for her birthday the previous night. I was in grad school, so I had no money whatsoever. You know, I spent what for me was a lot of money on a nice dinner. It was a great night. So she stays over at my place. Next morning, she wakes up and she wakes up mad, like mad, mad. Oh, no. And I was like, all right, Jane, what's up? And she's like, I can't believe it's my birthday. We can't hang out tonight. And blah, 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 so mad. <sighs> and I was like, look, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do about this. I have, you know, whatever, five other people in my band that we've booked this gig. This is just what it has to be. And I'm sorry. Yeah, you're just, you're just mad, mad, mad. Flash forward to the end of the day, 
experienced a whole day of this woman just being furious with me, like simmering, <sighs> simmering anger. And so I have to go, I load in. After we load in, she comes with me. She's just standing pouting the whole time. Very, very mad. So I take her across the street for a quick, like, Mexican dinner. There was a little burrito place. We get some burritos. She's mad the whole time. <laughs> I'm just like, Jane, what am I supposed to do here? I'm a part of this band. I can't just leave. Flash forward a little bit more. We're in the gig. She stands front and fucking center next to the stage, arms crossed, furious the entire <laughs> time. Oh, the entire God. time. And I remember talking to her. I'm like, can you just move like can you stand <laughs> somewhere else <laughs> for playing oh a show God. killing the vibe just move please like a gargoyle just looking over <laughs> you she's like i can't believe i'm not even getting free drinks on my birthday i'm like what i don't get free drinks here do you understand my deal we're not a popular band <laughs> you're we're at the phase where you pay to be there yeah our deal with this bar was we got unlimited miller lights and that was it <laughs> So I was like, I can pour you as many pints of fucking Miller Lite as you want. No. But I don't get free drinks and already spent all my money last night. So the guys, of course, in the band, I was with these guys, some of whom were academics, some of whom were not. All very, very chill dudes. It was like basically a jam band. And throughout this whole thing, they were like, what is up with that chick? Like, what is going on? <laughs> with Jane. And I was like, ah, oh, she's mad, this birthday thing. And they they had already seen some warning signs before this, which I won't get into. As is always the case with the bros. Oh yeah, the boys, they know. Because she'd constantly told me, she was like, why do all your friends hate me? I was like, I, I don't think they hate you. Oh. Oh, no. I think you're just maybe a little standoffish around them. Well, that caused a whole argument, which uh, I don't need to detail. Oh. <laughs> I love that I just know this person and have had to encounter this person repeatedly. Yeah, exactly same. You know this person 100%. So anyway, one of our covers, we did a few covers. We were mostly originals, but we did a bunch of covers too. And one of our covers was a Ben Folds song. <laughs> but, Here we go. Okay, okay. But she did not put those two together, all right? So that's not even the point of the story. That's There's actually a coincidence from the point of view of the story. Oh, no. So the name of the song was Song for the Dumped. Excellent song. So prophetic. Do you know this song? Yeah, I love that song. It's a great song. It has a great piano solo in it. It's just awesome. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm in this band. I'm playing a bunch of instruments. I'm setting up. I'm trying to deal with this angry, angry girlfriend and the whole thing. And I hear the song being counted off, you know, one, two, three, four. And as it's being counted off, she turns tail and storms out, storms out of this bar. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I, of course, the song's starting, so I just play it. No idea what happened. Get done with the gig. She was simmering before. Now she is full-blown rage. Rage. And, of course, I have to break down, and then we leave. She comes back to my place with me. Why? I don't know. But she came back <laughs> oh, no. with me, and she's mad the whole time. She's, like, not even talking. And we go to sleep. I wake up the next morning. She's sitting up in bed mad. <laughs> and I'm like, Jane, oh what is going on? Like, wh why did you leave this gate? Like, why are you so mad? One of the guys in my band was named Rusty. She goes, you heard what Rusty said. And I was like, what? She's like, before that song, the, the dumped song. And I was like, what, no, what did, what did Rusty say? She's like, I know what he said. 
Like, I definitely heard it. I was like, just tell me what he said. She goes, when he was introducing the song, he said, this song's for everybody that needs to break up with their girlfriends, like Brian. (laughs) And I was like, there is no way, no way he said that. A, because I didn't hear it. And B, because he would not do that. He just would not do that. We loaded out at like 4 a.m. or something. I wake up at, I don't know, 8 a.m. So we're up in bed. We're discussing this. And she's like, fucking call him if you're so sure. Call him right now. What? (laughs) And me being a consummate professional, I was like, yeah, okay. Oh, my God. I call Rusty. And I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. Help me out here. Did you say this thing that Jane said? And he's like, no. Of course not. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? And I was like, okay, thanks. Go back to sleep. Click. Huge fight. We break up. Like that day, that morning, we break up. (sighs) That sounds like such a fucking relief. (laughs) Such a relief. Wow. She really like lived in her own world. Yes. And I admire that. But also it frightens me. It was nuts. So here's the coda to this story. Oh, my God. You know, they're close friends. I keep in touch with them. A couple years later, I'm back in San Diego, just hanging out with these guys. And we're just, you know, reminiscing about the band. Or maybe we're playing another gig or whatever. I can't remember. And I was like, dude, Rusty, do you remember that whole bullshit with Jane when she was like, do you remember when Rusty said, you know, this song's for everyone that needs to break up their girlfriends like Brian. Can you believe she thought you said that? And he was like, of course I fucking said that. Are you kidding? <laughs> he was like, you, you guys needed to break up and you weren't going to do it. So I took the initiative. Did that just skate over your head while? Like how I went for two years, like knowing, not even thinking, knowing that this girl was wrong, that my close friend Rusty would never say this, never, ever in a million years. And then I was like, what the fuck? It's one of those like, oh my God, totally changed everything kind of things out of the blue. And I talked, I was like, you said you didn't say it. He was like, I was drunk. It was like, you called me four hours after we loaded out of a gig. What was I supposed to fucking say? I need to go back to sleep. Holy shit. That's such an incredible breakup story. Yeah. And also, despite Rusty's move there, probably for the best. Power play is how I would describe it. 100% for the best. Like, yeah. How long had you been seeing her? Not long. I mean, a month into dating, she was like, we should move in together. (gasps) It was that kind of thing. No! I don't think we went out for more than four months. I would be shocked if it were that long. Shocked. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Speechless. Yeah. Shout out to Ben Folds. And also for the crux of that story not being what I expected, which I was like, oh, she's going to hear a song for the dumb to not recognize a Ben Folds song and think it's about her. But no. Nope. She heard something far worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course, as you might imagine, I'm not describing any of her good qualities, of which there were many. She was a cool person in many ways, but she was definitely one of the more unstable people I had ever dated. In fact, probably the most. But, you know, I hope she's doing well and that her life is great. But I am glad I am with Rachel and we have the life we have right now. There you go. Yeah, it was meant to be. And by that, I mean, it was meant to end. 
so that something could be that's better. <laughs> yeah. So, Allie, I'm not sure if you and I have talked about this, but have we spoken about how I think baby coffins would make great dog beds? <laughs> Dude, I think a coffin straight up is a great bed. You could use it as like a day bed. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, baby coffins are abundant. You uh, use them for showings and then they don't really get buried in them. They usually get cremated or something like that, apparently. Wow, talking about child death today. We got into it real quick. Real quick. Because I said my favorite song right now is Funeral by Phoebe Bridgers, which is about young person death. Because somebody's kid died, blah, blah. Well, you know, or may not know that the composer Gustav Mahler has a song cycle called Kindertotenlieder, which is songs on the death of children. I can tell from just the etymology. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So if you want to hear some great leader about a bunch of kids dying, check out Mahler. <laughs> but we also don't recommend it because it's about child death. Well, they're also in German. So unless you speak German, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it could be just about anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is happy. It could be about alive children. <laughs> Do you know anyone that has a coffin bed? Legit. Either of you? I, I know a few vampires. Yes. What? No, I totally don't have a secret basement with, I don't know where you would get that from, my variety of coffins that I certainly don't have a storage container containing human roommate. What uh, What are we talking about? I usually go for a freezer. It just works better than a coffin. The putrefication is important to me. Yes. Well, there's an episode of What We Do in Shadows. This is the Jackie Daytona episode, if you've seen this, which is very, very good, where he does, in fact, sleep in a chest freezer for a little bit. Is that season two? Season two, yeah. I haven't watched season two yet. Oh, season two. So Matt Berry, you both know who Matt Berry is, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has to go on the run, so he disguises himself as Jackie Daytona, human bartender, <laughs> and murders the owner of Lucky Brews Bar, which is, I think, somewhere in Pennsylvania, and then sleeps in a freezer in the back room. That rips. Yeah, Mark Hamill's in it, too. It's fantastic. Mark Hamill. I love him. Yep. Brian, you were mentioning a thing that you really wanted to talk about regarding copyright and emails, which sounds very exciting. Yes. So to those of you who listened to our previous episode with our lovely producer, Jarek, my What's Poppin' last week was the Manowar song, Metal Warriors. So as we always do, we uploaded it to YouTube and got a copyright claim, not a strike, our channel's fine but got a copyright claim notifying us that our YouTube video of that episode has been blocked in some countries. And I am now going to read a list of those countries to you. This is a complete list of every country where episode 48 <laughs> has been blocked. Cuba, Iran, North Korea, <laughs> and Syria. What? Um, forbidden Manowar? <laughs> so for whatever reason... The Manowar song Metal Warriors is forbidden in Cuba, Iran, North Korea, and Syria. Presumably, it's some sort of conflict-based blockage. They just really hate Manowar. <laughs> they don't fuck with it. I mean, it's clearly just some stupid, you know, whatever that label is, just has some copyright thing. But I was like, do we have any listeners in any of those countries? Probably the most plausible is Iran. But, I mean, North Korea, I would love it if we had a huge North Korean fan base. That would rip. Guaranteed not possible, but it would rip. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, can North Koreans even access YouTube? I would be very surprised, right? No way. No. All that's extremely regulated by the state. Yeah. The copyright claim that excited me even more was our very first one, yes. which was for the inclusion of the song 
Christmas shoes. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to print a screen cap of that email and get it framed because of all the things that we could have possibly gotten struck for. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful, awful thing. It's like a business's first dollar that you get framed and you put on. <laughs> Except it's the opposite. <laughs> it's the first. <laughs> Baby's first Christmas yeah. shoes copyright claim. Exactly. Do you know Christmas shoes, Allie? No, I don't. I was about to ask. I was about to say, I actually don't know this song. I can't believe I've had the displeasure of introducing the curse, <laughs> the scourge that is the song Christmas Shoes to so many people by now. I didn't know it either. Like, this was new to me when Leighton brought it up. This is like a month ago now or something, right? I just mean in life in general. Like, this song was fucking inescapable every November, December in Living in the South. It got constant radio play. And it is in my opinion, the very worst Christmas song. Basically, Allie, we don't have to do this whole debacle again and get our second copyright claim on Christmas shoes. <laughs> I was going to say, we could bring it right back around. We already got one, so it's sort of like double jeopardy, right? The, the TLDR is that it's a Christian like rock group. Oh, yeah. The most hated of all genres. I can say that probably. But the song is about a guy who's not in a Christmas mood. He goes shopping, and then there's a little boy who doesn't have enough money to buy a pair of Christmas shoes because his mother is dying, and he wants her to, quote, look beautiful if she meets Jesus tonight. <laughs> I know of this song. Because Jesus has a foot thing, and he's looking right there, right away. Yeah, they made a Hallmark movie starring Rob Lowe. I know this song. <gasps> This just like electrocuted my brain with something from like the 90s or the early 2000s. I hate this song. It's really bad. It occupies the same space. And I'm sorry, I don't want to bring up controversial Christmas takes in almost February. No, do it. It occupies the exact same place in my brain as a Christmas story does, which is to me one of the most awful things I've ever seen. And I haven't watched it since I was a kid, but I hate a Christmas story. Wow. I don't know why. I don't know many people that hate a Christmas story. I think it was just like, I hate every single child and adult. Cursed energy. I did not find it funny. I haven't seen it probably since I was 10 years old, but every time it would come on in my home, I just hated it. And I'm sure maybe as an adult, I would have a different perspective because I would understand what is happening. But I think it was too violent in like a psychological torture way. That's a good point. It really kind of is. That kid goes through some bullshit. <laughs> it's some fucked up shit, bro. I remember the tongue thing. The BB gun and the icicle. Oh, very upsetting. I remember just horrified child expressions. So many like children's Christmas movies are just about horrible trauma. Like yeah. Home Alone, horrifying abandonment and home invasion fears. Like the Santa Claus, like, oops, you killed Santa. Now you're Santa. Literally terrifying. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is actually up there for me in terms of horror. Things I would not want to happen to me as a child that I think from movies that I conceivably believed were possible. Yeah, any appearance of quicksand. Terrifying. Oh, so many kids' movies feature, and you know, for me, I've talked about this on the show, Time Bandits is the ultimate example of this where a child's parents literally explode at the end and then all of his friends drive off and leave him alone. What? Ugh. Yeah, just awful, awful, awful thing that deeply traumatized me. To me, the most interesting thing about Christmas Story is the director is this guy, Bob Clark, who also directed Porky's, which was a <laughs> very popular 80s sex comedy, which had, I believe, two sequels, possibly more. Baby Geniuses. Wow. If you know that movie. Yeah. And then a few others, too. He was like this weird kind of just eclectic director. But when I think of A Christmas Story, I think of Porky's and Baby Geniuses. 
And it's like, that was the same guy. How? I don't know anything about him. Yeah, it overshadows like the haha, Christmas fun family movie thing. Yeah, although that movie had to have been his biggest hit. For sure. Had to have been. Demographically. It's not like everyone's like, let's gather around and roast some chestnuts and watch Porky's with the kids. Watch Porky's. I think that's also part of it. I could not relate to that movie at all because of like the sheer mm. whiteness of it. It's the whitest fucking thing in the world. Yes. I have a large Filipino family on my white side. It's like, they're just really nice. <laughs> like, there's no, like, conflict <laughs> to the degree. There's no misbehaving to that degree in my any of my experience. I was the youngest one, one of the youngest kids in the family. So, like, I was the one that was misbehaving by having a cell phone. <laughs> oh, the horrible curse of having a cell phone. We were talking about this last night, but just, like, I'm not sure how bad it is now, but just sort of the, like, why are you playing video games? You should only be playing this for educational reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Brian, thank you for being a gamer dad. You know, that feels like a really positive and needed influence in this world. Yes. I do think about that. We are definitely raising a little gamer. She loves games. Good. We're playing Hyrule Warriors together now. It's pretty fun. God, the game goes on fucking forever, <laughs> though. Like, I desperately want it to be over. You sound like a game grump right now. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I didn't play any of the tutorials and I'm not doing well and it's a total mystery. <laughs> I can't believe you just slipped that in there. And now I'm mad at the game designers. <laughs> but she has a little notebook and I'll send you when I remember a picture of one of the pages where it just is listing all the monster names. So she's just started writing down this, you know, crazy kid scrawl, Electric Moblin, Fire Hinox, Pacoblin, you know, all the Zelda monsters. And it's very, very cute. That's so charming. That's so adorable. Honestly, it's very exciting to her that you can play as the the girls. Mm -hmm. So you can play as, you know, Urbosa and, oh, don't even start with me that you can play as yes. Zelda. Like she goes in, every time Zelda shows up. Mm -hmm. That meant everything to me as a kid because I started playing games when that was not normal for you to be able to play as female characters unless it was like fucking Samus or like some Tomb Raider shit like yep. it's either titty ladies or no ladies when Pokemon allowed you to play as uh what's her name why did I forget in Sapphire and all those games when they came out it was life changing for me representation matters obviously for formative young minds it absolutely matters it's interesting to me and to Rachel that, you know, so she's a little kid, so she wants to pretend play everything. And so when she wants to play Mario or Zelda stuff, she wants to be either Peach or Zelda. And she always wants to be the damsel in distress. <laughs> like, she never wants to be a fighting or a character with her own agency. I think that's just because then it means Rachel and I have to do all the work. <laughs> Yeah, it's less work. I mean, really, mostly Rachel. So if she's Peach and captured by Bowser, Rachel is usually Bowser. <laughs> she can just be like, Audrey can like sit in one place and watch Rachel try to get her. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly as you say. It's like the easiest pass to win. Yeah. I was like that with checkers. I made my dad let me win at checkers all the time. A, when I was a kid and my best friend and her little sister would be like, oh, we're going to play house. And my best friend would always be like, I'm being the mom. And I was like, all right, fine. And so I would be the dad perpetually. At a certain point, I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to be the fun aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a good time doing that role that they were like, I, I want to be the fun aunt. It's two fun aunts. So, oh, yeah. That's much more fun. Speaking of coming out without having to come out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
in Hyrule Warriors, we just unlocked, minor spoiler, by the way, we unlocked the great fairies, which you can play as. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so, you know, float around in your giant flower and you're three times the size of everyone else. You just swat them with your hand. And Audrey was very excited that their big weapon, their big power up is basically they blow kisses at the enemy and it does a lot of damage. Yes. I love that. We did that. And she was like, they have smooch powers. (laughs) (laughs) That is so freaking precious. Dude, I wish I had smooch powers. Like you just blow a kiss and they drop dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kiss of death. It's upsetting in Breath of the Wild when these very, very large creatures like essentially try to vor Link. I mean, in any game, you really just can't escape the horny. Yeah, that's true. The gaping maw. It's totally like, well, let's figure out the catalog of fetishes that the developers have here. Indeed. (laughs) Let me open the book. Like, there's a guide and then there's the horny guide, like the sightseeing, the like, oh, major attractions guy. Yeah. It's like, why do we keep seeing the bottoms of their feet? (laughs) (laughs) Classic. God, every episode comes back around to fucking foot fetishes. Yes. All right. Here's my question. My raising a gamer question for both of you. I recently uncovered a Wii in our closet, which is working, and we got a couple games for it. Since you are probably about the age where you would have been kids, or, you know, a little older than Audrey, but not too much older, if you had a Wii, what Wii games did you like when you were younger? I got a Wii because I got straight A's on my report card, which was not even in question. It was just like, oh, I have to get straight A's, like, oh, challenging, oh. (laughs) My shit that I'm not sure I would recommend, but uh, it was My Sims, which was like a weird resource gathering and crafting, like not really Sims game, but you can dress up your little character and decorate your house. So like instant win for me. She would love that, actually, I think. Yeah, I I think she's at the age where it would be similarly magical and fun as it was for me. Mm -hmm. I was like very basic. I loved Wii Sports and all that shit. I do love Wii Sports because everyone got to play it on anybody's Wii, right? Like it's the first thing anyone brought up at parties. I didn't have a Wii. The only things I played on the Wii were at my friend's house, and that was Rock Band and Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Mm. And both of those things resulted in social trauma for me. So it's just like... In what way? You know, Rock Band, it's like arguing over who gets to do what. Uh, and then Super Smash Brothers Brawl was just like teaming up to just shit on you. Oh, yeah. It's hard because I do love Smash Brothers, but I can't play it because it just reminds me of my friends beating on me. <laughs> Yeah. It's really stupid, too, because, like, at the time, it was not a big issue. But later, as I became an adult and looked at it, I was like, wow, that really influenced my tendencies to avoid things. We got that Super Smash Brothers for the Wii before we had a kid. It was just me and Rachel. I don't know why we got it, because I had no friends that lived near me. We were in suburban Jersey at the time, and Rachel did not want to play it. So (laughs) I spent $60 in this game. And had no one to play with. Eventually, we just got rid of it because there was no point. Yeah. Anytime somebody's like, hey, let's play Smash, it's always that person who, like, is extremely good oh, at it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I'm a scrub. Come on. I'll play a Samus and I'm going to die immediately. Yeah. Like, don't do this to me. This is psychological warfare. Yeah. Ike and Aaron and Eugene, when they play, I mean, Ross is probably the guy you just described because he has a specific technique, which he describes as the sucking cuck. But when we played in the office with everyone, <laughs> it was like this perfect balance um, of people that were partially good, but like knowing that they were generous enough to play characters that they weren't good at. 
to make it fun for everyone. And that like blew my fucking mind. That's a bro move. I really miss those days when we would see the clock hit like five or six or whatever. And we'd all like jump and run over to the couch and play Smash for a bit. It was really cute. Yeah. I don't want to call out Ross. I think Ross loves being evil. Oh, yeah. That's his whole shtick. (laughs) I know. Of course Ross loves to be evil. I really miss you, Ross, if you hear this. I'm sorry. Ross is evil on Maine, you know? Yeah, he plays Kirby and he sucks you into his mouth war style and jumps off cliffs and lets you die. He just spits you out into the abyss. And that's the sucking cuck. I'm sure everyone already knew that, though, based on the description of it. (laughs) Allie, I had a dream about you last night, or you were in my dream. It was a terrible nightmare. You weren't in the nightmare part. You were the one nice part of the stream. It was just like it segued from nightmare and then we were just like holding each other on a couch and I think we were talking about succession. (laughs) Yes. All we do is talk about succession. It was just holding each other tenderly and discussing Tom and Greg. (laughs) I love them, first of all. Since I'm writing fucking fan fiction, I'm dreaming, not that I'm writing the fan fiction, but I'm trying to figure out the next point of like plot in my own fan fiction. Like I'm playing the game again because it's fucking super fun. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, (laughs) it's because I've been writing too much that I keep projecting like, oh, what if it went this direction? And then it's like walking through the passageways and corridors of my own mind. But I'm also trying to loot some really nice booty shorts from a dead tiger claw. The layers. It's really stressful. That's the worst part is when you play something that you enjoy or you do something fun and then you have a stress dream about it because you're so mentally like checked into that. Engrossed. Yeah, like into it. Dude, that happened to me the first time that I played Portal (gasps) and then also again with Portal 2. All the time. Where every single dream, it would be portals. And if I watched a movie or TV show, I'd be like, why don't they just portal over there? Literally same, because it is psychologically torturous, obviously, for Shell to be, you know, testing with two sexiest robots ever made, just constantly harassing you. I definitely had a Binding of Isaac dream, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. (gasps) Yes, that's another good game that would induce that for sure. What's another game that would induce that, I think? Dishonored was big for me. Oh, yeah. I feel like Dark Souls is just like, is just like already like a liminal, like aesthetic enough. I want to talk about this. Should I play Dark Souls? I have never played any Dark Souls games. All I ever hear about them, in fact, I wrote a song about this for Starbomb, is how hard they are. (laughs) Yes. I never hear, and they're also really fun. I just hear they're really, really hard. Should I play Dark Souls? I don't know. Games are weird. There are two types of ways to access games. Watching others play and playing them yourself. Mm -hmm. I have conceded that 99% of games in this world, I will never want to play. Even if I love that game, I want to experience it and hear the story and see it, which is, you know, how I ended up working for a fucking Let's Play company, probably. But your first step is I want to engage. So you sound like you want to engage with Dark Souls. I can't decide. The next question is, do you want to just experience the story without having to control it? Or do you want to jump behind the wheel. That's the hardest part, right? Is like, okay, I'm going to buy this game. I'm going to play it and I'm going to fucking hate it. And then I feel like for me, I would feel like I'm a failure. So I wouldn't watch anyone else play it because I feel the obligation to complete it on my own. Like I already took that step. I made that commitment. Like I have to do it now, but it's not true. You shouldn't feel that way when you play games or (laughs) see a game or a game gets too hard or you don't have time. We're all busy. I think you should try playing it, but if you don't, fucking finish it and you still are interested you should go watch it watch someone play it on youtube that's good advice 
Yeah, I think another thing to consider when buying a game or getting into a game is like, what's your threshold of suffering that you are willing to tolerate? Oh, very low. Very low. Okay, then don't play Dark Souls then. Just save yourself the fucking grief. I have a limited amount of time in which I can play games, right? I'm a father to a young child. When that child is awake, I'm not going to be playing Dark Souls. So that gives me, I don't know, a couple hours a day. And what I don't want to be doing is bashing my head against a wall for two hours and then going to bed mad. Yeah. That sounds like the worst possible thing you could pick if you don't want that to happen. So yeah, I already do that to myself for fun, like all the time with PVP games. So I can't recommend it solo either because it just becomes a regret. Yeah. And then you get sucked into it and can't stop playing it like me with Dead by Daylight, which I've taken a long break from, but where it's just like, I literally cannot stop playing this and it makes me so fucking mad. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Overwatch is that for me. I fell off and then I started playing again by myself. And then I became like tunneled in just doing that action of playing that game Mm -hmm. and suffering over and over and over again. And it was just every night I'd go to bed mad for no reason. This is all on me. Yeah, my teammates (laughs) suck, but it's on me to keep playing the game that's making me mad. So I just haven't played recently. I'm like so good at doing things that will make me mad on purpose. Oh, same. It almost feels like that's my mission every day (laughs) of like speed running how angry I can make myself in the shortest amount of time, which is usually checking Twitter. (laughs) It's literally me. I open up my phone, check Twitter, and I think, wow, I really just knew exactly what was going to happen. I saw the post that did it. (laughs) And then I try to close it. And then 10 minutes later, I'm back, baby. Yeah, that's what the internet is designed for, to make you mad. Yes, it is. Everything, you know, algorithmically is there for reaction. And reaction is easiest to get when people are fucking stabbing you in the eyes. with Just mad. Yeah, with horrible shit all day. I don't know exactly what I expected. I think I expected a little bit that after Biden got in, people would be a little less mad. No. That doesn't seem to have happened. No. (laughs) At all. Not at all. We've entered a different era of anger where not only do we have the tears of the right and then also now we just get to be mad about democrats again which is very different kind of rage but one that surely runs through me like a fucking raging river with a little raft on it and i'm on the raft and then i see shit coming up in the distance i'm like oh dear god yeah at least the raft isn't actively on fire yes so there's that it's also just like social media removed consent from receiving information. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to know the news because I was looking at pictures my friends posted of their walk from that morning. I don't want to be beset by these things and you don't get that choice unless you do the smart thing and unfollow everyone. It's like memorizing phone numbers. Just go to the profiles that you like. Yeah, or just never open the app. That's the other thing. Never create an account. I think I tweeted this yesterday. My favorite thing right now is I'm trying to do that less. So when I notice that I've been on Twitter too long or I've seen the same tweet twice because I refreshed and I'm frowning and I'm angry, I just close Twitter and I open up my own writing and start reading that instead. And it is the same result, essentially. But at least it's like, I can't blame anybody except myself. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, Allie, and this will definitely resonate with you because of what you do. But do you remember early days of Twitter advice for anyone building a Twitter account was like, oh, you got to tweet at least 10 to 15 times a day or you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. That is so destructive 
Yep. I mean, for my personal account, if I tweet once a day, that's more than usual. It's like once every few days at this point. So I should probably preface this because people may not know this about me. I don't know if I said this in the last interview we did either, but I'm a social media manager and I have a lot of skill in understanding social media, but I'm also the most hyper fucking critical anti-social media person there is. And every single website will try to convince you as a business for your own benefit that using them the most that you could possibly use them is of great benefit to you. Yes. They're piggybacking off of you. They rely on you as a game rumps, as Ninja Sex Party, as anything with a following that exists, they want to consume it. Yeah, you are capital. Yes, you are cap. We are all just fucking cheap, essentially, for this, like, machine that's making noise instead of wool, I guess. But it's not true. Like, none of it's true. Like, you don't need to do any of that. You can just share the information that is fucking relevant to your brand. Sharing information is so valuable because no one does it anymore. They share opinions and then try to convince you that it's just objective fact as opposed to an opinion. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. I think about this all the time. I am so reticent to share my opinions about anything Mm -hmm. for many, many reasons. Number one of which is, why would anyone care? Number two of which is, I mean, I'm a scientist. I don't want to say something unless I'm pretty sure it's right. And just having some rando opinion about something. Anything I can't back up, I don't want to say. And this is not a philosophy that most users of, especially Twitter, seem to espouse. And I'm not criticizing this necessarily as a take. I think it's a fine way to use the platform. But it is something I think about a lot, which is like, I don't want to just put some dumb old opinion out there too. Like, I want to be adding to the conversation in a way I can back up and defend as useful. That's what a podcast is for. That's why you have a podcast. Yeah, here, I can just spout off any old bullshit. (laughs) You consented to listening to this podcast by nature of clicking on it and then getting an hour into the episode where we haven't introduced the guest or, you know. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) We should probably do that as well as ourselves. Everybody, you're listening to Late Night with Brian Wecht. My name is Brian Wecht. Standing next to me, not in person, but... In spirit. In an audio capacity is i'm uh, i'm laden what's up i wasn't sure which one of us was standing next to you in spirit <laughs> no see but you're cuddling me in a dream oh i feel it if i close my <laughs> eyes i can just mm, squeeze really beautiful hey who are you what the what's going on who are you <laughs> i'm ali i think i had the same struggle last time when i introduced myself i go by netboy on many platforms because i threw it at a wall and it stuck and i love it um, and I am a person that does things. <laughs> it's just, I'm an artist there. I'll go with that. That's always the one I fall back on because it was the easiest one to prove. You got tangible <laughs> evidence. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's going to question your identity. Yeah. Well, I could say I like produce things, but it's like, oh, are you sure? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what a dick move for someone to say, I'm an artist and someone else to be like, no, you're not. Yeah, well, it's always not even that. It's like 10 minutes later or they're like, oh, you're good. (laughs) That wasn't the point of me claiming this as my like epithet or identity. It's just that it embodies something that I think about a lot and would like to be part of representing me. (laughs) It doesn't mean that I have to be good at it, but thanks. Yeah, it's like artist parentheses derogatory. (laughs) Yes, 
exactly. Exactly. Okay. My name is Allie. I go by Netboy Online, and I am an artist. And in parentheses, you need to put the word derogatory after. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. Filthy artists. Artists are cowards. Just an idiot. <laughs> I think I actually put that in my bios. Professional idiot, right? Yeah, professional idiot. And it's not self-deprecation. I'm fucking fabulous. Like, I know that. I just love not giving a shit about bios or introducing myself. Figure it out your fucking self. Like, look at my posts or whatever you're looking at. Look at Instagram. I don't care because now I'm thinking about social media. Just look at it and you'll figure it out. If you can't figure it out, then go somewhere else. Then use Google, you know? Yeah. I've decided that in the context of NSP, the most self-derogatory thing I can I can write is fan favorite Ninja Brian, <laughs> which feels... <laughs> Very fun to me and extremely dismissive. I love that. We touched on foot fetishes briefly and it triggered a memory of like, <laughs> I want to touch some feet though, not the fetish. Yeah, I got to get outside. Um, <laughs> Milady, would you perchance care to display to me your sweaty toesy woesies? <laughs> Is that from something? No. That's really great. It's from my brain and my final four brain cells rattling around in my skull like beads in a spray paint can. I love that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I was in the office and I was like checking in on power hour shoot. I want to believe that I didn't bring foot fetish out of nowhere, but we got on the topic of like, I was saying thoughtfully to Dan, like, you know, I think maybe the most benign fetish you can have is a foot fetish because it's just sort of like, I don't know. You want to eat my shit? Like, I'm going to go. But if you just want to jerk off on my feet, like, I'm fine with it. <laughs> and then Dan looked at me like I had literally lost my mind and was like, really? <laughs> I figured of all people. <laughs> yeah, he would understand. This is so unfair. No, believe me. He's heard a lot worse, literally from me. So I think he's okay. <laughs> Constantly. One of my first interactions with him was explaining what an ovipositor is. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I remember that, yes. It's my job to fetishize his feet, so. And I make it a point to. <clears throat> Mostly Aaron, though, because, you know, Aaron will just shove him out there. Tozy wozies. I was thinking about this the other day. How is it possible that Dan has a greater than five out of five rating on WikiFeet men? Because you won't shut up about it and people do it despite fan favorite Ninja Brian. I'm mm. sorry. There's just no justice in this world. If anyone, and I'm not criticizing Dan here, but if anyone can have a higher than five, higher than the maximum rating, come on. That's, <laughs> that's an upsetting coding error. And I'm not saying that because my <laughs> rating is 4.67, not that I checked recently. <laughs> Come on. It's like an A++, right? That you shouldn't give those out. Even an A++ is debatable. A little bonus. Yeah. You should only be able to have it if you have more than five toes. Thank you. Yes, correct. <laughs> Can you get verified on WikiFeet? Oh, that would be the best. You get a WikiFeet blue check? Oh, and it's just a toe? Yeah, a blue foot. Oh, my God. Is there a blue foot emoji? Can we put that in the late night Twitter handle if there's a blue foot emoji? Well, surely we can dye the foot emoji blue. <laughs> but you can't do it on Twitter. It is blue. It's like the toes, like walking through the sand outline foot thing. And it is navy blue. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to do that right now and not tell Jarek about it. And he's just going to be like, why is there a foot? <laughs> you can figure it out later. Edit. Late night foot emoji. Remember last week how we, we read that review where the person was like, it's kind of like the same thing over and over. <laughs> it's like, history repeats itself, my friend. 
I don't know if I can exit this conversation without confessing. A week ago, I woke up and I wanted to save some reaction memes to my phone. Twitter immediately recommended me because it always is trying to recommend you to do other fucking bullshit. It recommended a Stan account for Keanu Reeves. And, <laughs> and I clicked on it and this person uses many memes to react to Keanu Reeves, uh, his existence. And some of them are pictures of him and I saved a bunch of them. And as I was scrolling idly through it in my half awake state, I saw a picture of his feet. And the first thing I thought was, whoa, nice. <laughs> like exactly entered my head and left I had to shut the phone like like throw the phone across the room I was like I've been poisoned the bit it became real and then I really thought about it as like they were really beautiful <laughs> but like is that okay that I think that or is it like fetishizing his feet and then it was a moral conundrum if we're doing it as a bit and it becomes unironic does that mean it's creepy that we are fetishizing feet yes I agree Stanhood in general is uh, a, a real cut and dry ethical quandary, in my opinion, but <laughs> one that I thoroughly engage in because uh, we're all dying slow, folks. If I want to look at a picture of Keanu Reeves' feet and go, nice. <laughs> I just was about to do the stupidest thing I ever to say, it can't be public in the podcast that I'm recording. <laughs> but this is buried enough. We're an hour and five minutes into this or whatever. Jarek, make sure to clip this next part. Okay. <laughs> on blast shove it at the beginning of the episode mail it to his agent but it's like i don't want someone to accidentally google their name and find me being fucking weird about them i don't like that yeah if anything it has to be a bit like it has to be very clearly a bit and obviously i've just proven that it's not really a bit deep in my heart i guess because it was like so knee-jerk so instinctual literally why i don't google my own name Exactly this reason. Same. Oh, I don't want to know. I mean, I will search the tags on archive of our own for my name. Of course. Of course I will do that. <laughs> that is a journey. The other stuff is being slapped in the face. Honestly, the main reason I'm not going to Google my own name is because I don't want to see people hating on me, not because of weird sex stuff or whatever, but I don't want to see anything upsetting. Negativity. Yeah, exactly. I'll save myself the grief. Yeah. My therapist was like, so what do you feel when you Google yourself? And then I laughed and was like, that hasn't happened in three years, doctor. Yeah, why bother? It's funny because people on the other side, they will say things like, how did they not know that people were talking about them like this? It's such common knowledge. Well, no one occupies that side of perspective, right? Of like looking at me. I wake up, I take a shit. And I don't think about Googling myself because I am me already. Yeah. Whereas other people are interested. It's not evil to be interested in a person. No, you just have to get away from it. You cannot base your identity on what a bunch of random people on the internet think about you. It's unhealthy and unproductive. Because mm -hmm. they literally don't know you at all is the thing. No. Not at all. And you can't convince them that, though, either. Yeah. Oh, they think they're correct. They will take their word over anybody else who actually has known the person for God knows. Everyone should take everything that they see as if it's the tip of an iceberg. But in practice, everyone believes that they've only been looking at the iceberg that's below the water. So, yeah. like, and then the Titanic fucking sinks. And here we are. <laughs> Can we ask, as with all things, do they actually mean it is a valid question. But when people on Twitter say, you okay, bro? No, they don't give a shit about you. Like, fuck no. I know that. <laughs> but to what extent is that a just a meme and they're just repeating a thing versus actually weirded out? 
No, I think things people say are just because they heard another person. Like, it's an echo chamber, right? Like, they they know that would work as a response, so it's just put there. Yes. Yeah. I have muted you okay, bro, on Twitter. Dude, the amount of stupid shit like that. My favorite thing that I muted was, or were you normal? Fuck off. Oh, my God, yeah. Recently. Oh, I haven't seen that. Fuck. It's always shit like, do you do this? And then it's, like, lists a trait that could apply to, like, fucking anyone. And then they assign it to a category. So either like you have a mental illness or you are a girl or you are a boy or you are gay or whatever. They assign it to that and it's unrelated. And then they say, or were you normal? <sighs> or did you grow up with this trait? Or were you normal? Yeah. Same with like, um, bisexual culture is sleeping in your bed backwards, actually. Like, shut up. Please shut up. Oh, it's so frustrating because all these things started out as funny jokes that were like, oh my God, me too. Like, I do love a joke where it's like, haha, I, I'm aware this is unrelated. And then got rammed into the ground. Yes. It's like, oh no, you guys started fucking believing it. Bernie Mittens. You started making it real, like manifesting this, actually. <laughs> I have to say, Bernie Mittens may be, that is one of the fastest turns I have seen from, yeah. this is cute and funny to, won't this ever fucking stop? And that was a matter of minutes. Truly. I actually, I had a dream because of Bernie Mittens. Um, <laughs> listen, I was having um, a fucked up sex dream that was under, you know, like bizarre circumstances. and. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to tell this so it doesn't sound insane. <laughs> it should be insane. <laughs> uh, 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 um, anyway, so I was having sex. Listening to you figure this out is extremely entertaining. Because <laughs> I'm trying to put it. You're a Leo. You should be more confident than this. <laughs> there was a sex dream. Realized the door was open. Looked over. It was Bernie Sanders and Mittens. <laughs> <laughs> watching us and we were both like oh my god i am so i can explain and then he just gave a look like you crazy kids and then gestured with the mitten like go on and then left <laughs> like you guys have fun like that kind of thing yeah 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 bernie's down with the sickness but did he shout it and did you feel like you were being abused <laughs> oh my favorite twitter drama he's gentle and I'm salty today. I'm sorry. I did not sleep well. I was reading too much manga. I'm like really bitter today. And it's also because I just haven't fucking finished my fan fiction, like blue balls about writing. So I'm just bitching about everyone else online because I can't make anything online. As always. We should move on to segments here. Because Oh yeah, the sex dream that involved Bernie Mittens is yes. a little it's the death knell for this conversation. Was that your what's poppin' that dream? Everybody come check it out. It's going to be on Braindance Cyberpunk 2077. You can experience it yourself. He's per first person, baby. It's like VR, but better because it's in the video game already. Our first segment, Allie. Yes. Is our pop culture recommendation segment. I love that. I didn't prep Allie at all. <laughs> I'm not ready. Okay. So, like, definitely just, just drop it on me like a bomb. Like the bomb that they dropped in Arasaka HQ in the video game Cyberpunk 2077, which I highly recommend. <laughs> me and the boys on the way to bomb Arasaka <laughs> HQ. Let's go. Blast that chipping in, bitch. Goodbye. We're playing chipping in. I have brain rot. I, I have a disease. Last time you were on the show, which was close to a year ago, did we even do What's Poppin'? Was that a thing yet? Do you remember? I think it was pre-Ethan. It was pre-Ethan. Frequently, and any answer is fine. I will not be offended. How frequently do you listen to this show? I think I listened to Jory's episode last, but before that, it was a very dry spell. Okay, great. This is allowed. 
I have to say, people want me to keep doing this what's popping bit, and I am not feeling it anymore. Wow. I think I have moved on from the what's popping bit. Are we reinventing this bit right now here? I think we have to. This has never happened in the history of my life. I have lost the mojo to annoy people in a specific way. And I need to figure out a new thing. And we can do that now. I think I might just need to reflect on this. But what I would normally do here is a very extended introduction building up to a bit that seldom works. And and that I scream at you for. Am I in the pit right now? <laughs> I have moved on from this bit. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to replace it with. Of course, as all things on this podcast, this is a discussion between me and Layden. Layden, am I being gaslit? <laughs> Shut up, Allie. <laughs> it's a discussion between me and Layden, and I don't know exactly where we're going to take it. It could be something, you know, sometimes we just try stuff out and it works and it, or it doesn't work. And if it works, sometimes we keep it. More frequently, actually, we try stuff out and it doesn't work. And we're like, let's do that again. That's kind of the MO of this podcast. Right. So Allie can't hear us right now, right? No, she can't. So I think if you can play the worst thing possible on your piano, I want you to pull out the worst thing possible and then act like that's the What's Poppin' theme song and present it as if it is brilliant. Okay. Allie still can't hear us. Um, and she's going to be so surprised when she hears this. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right, Allie, back on. Hi. Where did you guys go? That was weird. Yeah, well, it's called the uh, the internet. <laughs> like Lawnmower Man style, we descended into it. Um, <laughs> the the theme song, what, what I've decided to do based on consultation with, with Layton is I'm going to write uh, a new theme song right now. I'm ready. Or I'm not ready. If he fucking sits here in silence, I am going to drive to his house and kill him. The worst part is, as this goes on, I'm beginning to remember a moment not unlike this from the first time we recorded together. <sighs> All right, what did you think? I'm hanging up. I'm going to go. Okay, Brian, it's been fun doing this show with you for, I mean, it's been quote unquote fun. <laughs> I'm getting a sense of deja vu. It's just like in that Keanu Reeves movie called The Matrix, where he sees a cat twice. It's almost as if I've heard this moment of silence before. I mean, song. Um, this really, really, really wonderful song. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, almost a year ago. It was really fantastic, Brian. My favorite part about it is the lead up to it. Yeah, I think that is the best part. I agree with that. It sets it up well. It's like a climax. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Context is everything. That's my motto. Context is everything. <laughs> okay, so now we're in a dilemma because now this is the point when I say Leighton, what's poppin'? And she gets mad at me because I just <laughs> did a bit. So I'm going to go first with my... What's poppin'? Brian, what's poppin'? Thank you for asking, Brian. Here's what it is. Do you want me to ask you? Sure, yes. He asked himself. Don't enable this. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm being torn between my two friends right now. It's really stressful. I don't know who to make happy and at what cost it would be. But Brian, you know what? What? What's poppin'? Yes. Well, thank you, Allie, for asking. <laughs> Layton, I'm sorry. Layton, Layton, will you forgive me? <laughs> a line has been drawn in the sand. What's poppin' for me is a show... 
I actually I saw this as a live show in New York a couple of years ago, and they recently filmed it and put it on Hulu. I don't know exactly what you'd call it. It's like a one-man magic slash mentalism show called In and of Itself by this guy, Derek Delgadio. I want to tell you absolutely nothing about it except to say that seeing it live was an incredible experience in New York, directed both the stage and the film version by Frank Oz. And it's just a really cool piece of theater that you should go watch. And I would like to hear what people think about it. I think it's fucking great. You said it's on Hulu? It's on Hulu. They just came out on Hulu like last week. And it is a very compelling, cool story with some amazing feats of mentalism slash magic slash whatever you want to call it. And I want to tell you nothing else except go watch it. It's a cool piece. Does it have El Ropo? It does not have the senior citizen magician El Ropo from Los Angeles in it. First of all, he's more than a senior citizen, Brian. Uh, He's a cowboy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He's an ex-wife guy, you know? We really need to carve out space in our society for ex-wife guys. Yeah. It's really, really great. I think it's very special. I find it very moving. The guy, Derek Logatti, his performance, it's so low-key that it almost doesn't feel like he's performing. He's got a very, very laid-back kind of vibe, but I think it's very affecting. Nice. That's beautiful. Layton, what's poppin'? <sighs> what's poppin'? I've been reading more, so I look at Twitter less. I'm preventing myself from losing brain cells, but I don't think I'm gaining any brain cells either, if I'm going to be honest. (laughs) You don't get them back. They're gone forever once they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. I have two, one of which is a thing that I have loved for a long time, and the other one is a new thing, and both of them are fucked up. So the first one, I (laughs) reread my favorite book, uh, Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. Oh, yeah, that's a great book. Oh, my God, Brian, I love that you've read that book. Yeah, I read it basically when it came on paperback. I remember loving that book. 15 years ago or whatever, whenever it came out. Yeah, it's fantastic for everyone listening. And Ali, the title is terrible. Yes. And makes you think that it is about something that it is not. And I learned recently that Catherine Dunn, that was the working title for it. And by the end of it, she loved it so much that she just kept it. Oh boy. But the pitch is basically, there's a family that runs a circus and the mother and father who run it, they have a bunch of kids, but when the mother is pregnant, they expose them to radiation and put her on a bunch of drugs and shit so that she just has like a certain, they populate their circus full of freaks. And the geek part of the title is from, you know, old circuses. They would have the people who would uh, bite the heads off of chickens, and that's a geek. Mm -hmm. But it is about this circus and this family. And it's so (laughs) relentlessly fucked up. Yes. I love that. What do we got? We got amputation, cults, incest, murder, all sorts of shit. Lots of incest. Yes, lots of incest. And then, like, some magic incest. Anyway. (laughs) Yes. I remember that passage about the magic incest very, very well, very vividly. Oh, my God. Yeah. But at the same time, like, the reason I like it so much, A, because it's really fucked up, but B is A, (laughs) B subheading A. It's just beautifully written, but the real thing that's great about it is that it's just, like, somehow one of the most like touching stories about familial love and like yes. compassion and caring for people that like agree it's so genuinely moving and so fucking devastating i mean like brian as you know at the end when shit goes down it genuinely just feels like getting punched in the gut repeatedly it's very upsetting where it's like wow I hate all of you but this hurts so bad <laughs> i can't wait for succession to do that to me dude yes but it won't Because I'm stronger than caring about rich people. 
But I'm not. (laughs) We're not above it. And then my other recommendation that I luxuriated on Geek Love too long, but it's a book called Unit 731, which is, you know, anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, please don't go Google that. I was about to. (laughs) Don't do that. But basically there was a big old fat war crime where Japan had this unit that was dedicated to human experimentation. Is this like a World War II era thing? Yeah, yeah. Imagine Mengele turned up to like, 17. Um, It is some of the gnarliest shit I've ever read. So if you are sensitive at all, like don't even look at the Wikipedia page, which I'm sure for people are like, that means I'm going to go look at it. But uh, the book that I'm reading about, it gives a lot more like historical context for what was happening and how there was a huge cover-up that the U.S. was involved in. It was very Operation Paperclip, right? Where they found out that like they had done all of this insane human experimentation in the most vile ways possible. And they were like, well, we don't want the Soviets to get this information. So we'll pardon all these war criminals and uh, send this shit up to Harry S. Truman, and uh, we're just going to hold on to it. And then they can just come hang out here. God. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, the first part is the historical context, and the second part is, like, firsthand eyewitness testimony of everything that went down, and, uh, whoo! (laughs) I recommend, but I don't recommend. Also, the actual name of the book is Japan's Infamous Unit 731 Firsthand Accounts of Japan's Wartime Human Experimentation Program by Hal Gold. Wow. So if anybody wants a fun, light beach read, uh, Geek Love and that one. You are vibing. I'm vibing. My brain is so full of worms. <laughs> Allie, what's popping? All right, what's popping with me? I stayed up all night catching up on a manga that I really love, which and everything right now, because I'm writing fan fiction, is extremely oriented towards like romance as a concept. So this series is called Maho Sukai no Yome, but it's called The Ancient Magus. Is it Magus? Magus? I always thought it was Magus. Yeah, but I could be wrong. I don't know either. Ancient Magus Bride. It's a story about a monster creature that takes an apprentice, but also this is so weird. It takes her as his wife, but nobody in this story has the maturity or understanding of the words that they are using, essentially, because they're not human. And the girl is from, like, a abusive home situation, or she's, like, an outcast freak teenager. So she has these magical properties, and she is being taught by him to use them. And also is, like, okay, wife, but it means absolutely Nothing, and the entire story is about the nature of that relationship changing because uh, it's a lot about the character with the promise and talent that everyone is prophesizing will do great, being coming self-sacrificing and being really depressed and not really giving a shit about themselves. And basically, you know, Harry Potter throwing yourself into danger every fucking second possible because you can. And it's like your job or whatever you think. And then growing beyond that and becoming a person that cares about yourself because other people care about you. Wow. And then also realizing just because you've been around for two million years or whatever is your monster man doesn't make you a grown person as a human if you're trying to live as a human. It's a really beautiful story. It's fucking gorgeous. It reminds me a lot of... Your favorite book, Deathless. (laughs) Yeah, I obviously have a repeat theme of interest, which is just like fucked up magical folklore shit. And this series is exactly that. The other thing that I really love, because I want to have two poppins, is the second Ghost in the Shell movie. Oh, shit. Ghost in the Shell Innocence, which is, to me, a perfect fucking movie. Brian, have you seen Ghost in the Shell? Layton, I know you've seen Ghost in the Shell. You know what? It's one of those I've been meaning to for years. 
and I just never have. It's extremely good. I've been waiting for the remake with Natalie Portman. That seems like the way to see it for the first time. (laughs) (coughs) Okay, sorry. I just had to get that out of my system. Natalie Portman? (laughs) She's cosplaying not only as an Asian woman, but also Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah, there's two things happening at once there. Wait, who is actually in the remake? I can't even remember now. Scarlett Johansson. That's who it is, right. It's funny because it's the second remake. So the original Ghost in the Shell movie, the one that came out in 1995, is fantastic. But they actually made a second version of it called Ghost in the Shell 2.0, where they replaced it with this horrifying CG. Oh, yes. I remember hearing about this. You should see Ghost in the Shell 1, the first one, if you haven't seen it. It's interesting. It's not a perfect movie. The second one to me is superior because the first movie sets up the premise of the second one. The second one is this crime, cyberpunk, cyber pessimist also, which I think I preferred more than the word cyberpunk because as demonstrated by the game Cyberpunk 2077, you don't always get the fucking pessimism that you're supposed to have in cyberpunk, uh-huh. in cyberpunk to the degree that you should. Hey, hey, you should hate corporations, but you worked for one and we also have given you no reason to hate them other than Johnny won't shut the fuck up about Arasaka. <laughs> the cyber pessimism in this second movie, Innocence, is fantastic. It's the story of the partner of Major Kusanagi just doing his job as a policeman and uncovering a strange series of deaths of young female robots going berserk and killing their owners and then themselves. It's a really great crime story that when you see the things that the first movie tries to touch upon through this window of this crime procedural, it's fucking fantastic. Cool. Good movie. They all talk in quotes and are super obnoxious and it's fucking gorgeous. And I actually like the CG in it because it is the first of the movies that they really started just jamming CG into it because the CG is so fucking creepy. This entire thing is about like puppetry and dolls and creepy little girls. If you like creepy, violent shit, then this is it, baby. That's it. Hey. (laughs) Also, if you want just like the coolest, coolest cyberpunk fits... Yeah. This is like Allie and I had to have a conversation last night that was like, so we're not going to be extremely on our bullshit tomorrow, right? Like, we, can, we can't talk about Ghostface. We can't talk about Johnny Silverhand. We can't. We got to put rails on this. Uh, I think it adds a lot. I had a meeting before this with, you know, the gang, the work gang is our meeting day. Mm-hmm. In the middle of it, Borif, my wonderful friend and fellow producer Borif says to me, oh, yeah, Allie, you've really been into that cyberpunk game. My immediate reaction is to become so unbelievably fucking flustered. It's like having like a crush. Oh my god, I want nothing more than to talk about this thing. Um, um, yeah, I do, I do like that game. And then it, it's also just me screaming because I'm like, uh, don't bring that up. <laughs> it's like I hate it. Don't. I hate it. I don't want to talk about it. It's, um, <gasps> I hate it. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, but Ghost in the Shell is way better than Cyberpunk. So please watch Ghost in the Shell Two: Innocence in the first one if you haven't. I love it. All right, Layton, do you want to introduce our next segment? Yes. This next segment is a gratitude exercise where we each share one lemon, which is like a petty thing that upsets us. And then we each share three peaches, which are things that we're excited about, grateful for, like can be as petty as you want or as uh, deep and meaningful as you want. So that's what we're going to do now. This is the theme song. Lovely. Okay. I am going to be Honest, this week, I could not think of a lemon. Wow, that's beautiful. The absence of lemons. You know, in this relentless shit show of a world we live in, I couldn't think of a lemon. So I'm just going to take it and move on and not have a lemon this week because nothing came to mind. Wow. And also, folks, Brian has a heart out in 15 minutes because none of us would shut up about anything for this whole record. 
So he's going to do his peaches first, and then Allie and I are come in during this show. So, Brian. Oh, great. Okay. My first peach is I'm going to read you a note I got from Audrey this morning. Oh. Hi, Daddy. It's Audrey. <laughs> I do not know why I am so mean to you. I want to talk to you when you have time. I love you so, 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 so much. You are my favorite daddy in the whole world. Love, Audrey. And then two minutes after giving me that note, she slipped it under the door in the room I was in. She slipped another note under that said, did you like my note? Type message here. Yeah, I I won't go into what merited this note to begin with. Doesn't she frequently give you notes like, sorry, I was mean to you? I mean, she gives me notes frequently, not sorry, I was mean to you notes. (laughs) Don't call her out like that, Layton. (laughs) We can't be, repeat me. I seem to recall this being a thing. She has done this before. I wouldn't say this specific thing happens frequently, but it does happen for sure. Oh, it was so cute. Yeah, it was her first like, do you want to go out with me? Check this box style note, which is... Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) My next peach is uh, this past weekend, I was lucky enough to be a part of our friends, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe had a 12-hour live show, like literally 12 hours. Yeah, which they did uh, uh, to celebrate reaching 4,000 patrons on their Patreon. And I was on the show for a little bit. We ran a game show that we've been developing, like an online Zoom game show. And then I talked about physics for a little, little bit. So... It was a lot of fun. Those people are the best. I've known them forever now, and I just think what they do is awesome. It's my favorite science podcast, hands down, and I was honored to be a part of it. So that was cool. Dude, congrats. Yeah, congrats. It's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, and hopefully we're going to start doing this game show like pretty regularly. In fact, that's the meeting I have in 10 minutes. Wow. That's exciting. It is exciting. And my final peach is that we have this fucking stack of old laptops that we need to recycle but I can't boot up half of them. So I ordered a screwdriver and cracked the fuckers open and I'm about to drill some hard drives hey. to make sure they've all been erased. I love opening up computers. My first work study job in college was computer repair. So just anytime I crack open a, a computer, especially like I open these little MacBooks, they're dusty as shit. Like they were very upsettingly mm-hmm. dirty inside there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm about to, yeah, just drill down to some hard drives, which makes me feel great. And those are my peaches. Those are all beautiful peaches, Brian. So, in a late night first, everybody, <gasps> I have a meeting to go to. And I kind of feel like I should commit to not listening to the edits of this either until it goes live. Ooh. <laughs> all right. Ooh. A discovery. Spicy. Yeah, I'm just playing with fire. All I can say is please don't get us canceled. Please don't get us canceled. Bro, I've been canceled. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't talking to you, Allie, to be very, very clear. (laughs) Oh, you know me. The moment that Brian leaves, just the opinions come out. (laughs) (laughs) This means we're probably just going to say disgusting things about beautiful women, you know? Great. All right. Well, have fun. Brian out. That's my catchphrase. Thank you for having me, Brian. Allie, you're the best. It's such a joy to have you back. Thank you for being here. You too, man. Always fun to talk to you. And it's the best part of this podcast is just catching up with friends where it's like, all right, here's a good excuse to talk to someone I want to talk to. So thank you for being here. Of course. 
Beautiful. Brian, have a good one. I will. Bye. Okay, so my lemon is coffee shits. Uh, Folks, let's get real. Uh, There comes a time in the morning when you got to take that coffee shit. And you want it to be satisfying, but sometimes you're terrible at taking care of your flesh prison. And so (laughs) it's like an ordeal. You know what? I'm going to amend this lemon to sometimes you have a meeting. Sometimes you have a meeting. That's my lemon right there. Sometimes you have... (laughs) Every day I have meetings. Every day I have meetings. Why is it always that you get stuck taking a shit when you're like almost late for a meeting and then like you panic and you're like, I got (laughs) to squeeze this one (laughs) off. This is awful. Every time. And it's always, I don't take my phone into the bathroom. And so I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know what time it is. Like, I'm going to be late and I'm going to have to make up some excuse for why I'm not here. It was like, I was too busy shoving a baby down the stairs. Like, I don't want to cop to shitting. But also now I'm saying on a podcast about shitting. This is going great. <laughs> the amount of times I've actually sent a text message to my wonderful coworkers say, hey, man, I'm, shit got weird. <laughs> I literally, see you soon. <laughs> and then I show up 10 minutes late to a meeting. It's absurd. Yeah. Allie, what's your lemon? My lemon is, is that it's been very cold. Right? I am a homeowner. I never stop bringing that up because it's the most burdenous thing. And it's like a wonderful privilege that I have that I could be a homeowner. I own a house in California. And, you know, people love to complain about how Californians are weak and we can't stand the cold. Well, the truth is, you guys don't understand, is in California, since we're supposed to believe that the weather is great all the time, they build the houses out of fucking paper. (laughs) It has been super fucking windy. We've been having a windstorm here for maybe last three or four days. And like an ancient Victorian home, I can feel the wind through my closed window. It rattles the blinds. Dude, you got to get like a long white nightgown and like a a long candle holder (laughs) and just like really frilly and talk about your dead husband. Yeah, shuffle through the halls wailing. Like I have been so cold and we have central heat in my home, but we also have a space heater in the room and none of it is enough to stop the flow of air from outdoors into my little corner of the bed. So I've been sleeping like a little polar bear wrapped up in like hundreds of blankets. Well, everybody else in my home is fine, of course, because I'm just the one that sleeps next to the window. Everyone says like, you know, oh, people in Los Angeles, they can't handle the cold. And it's like, you're fucking right. I'm a baby. I've been here almost four years. Like I've lost all of my cold tolerance. I bitched, you know, cause it's January and this is when it finally becomes cold for LA. I bitched like, oh, it's summer. When is it gonna be cold? So I can wear <laughs> double jackets and drink hot cocoa. And I'm like, I have to take my dog out. It's cold. It's so cold. Even Bear doesn't want to go out anymore. My life is so hard because it's windy. Yes, that is the most lemony shit happening to me right now. I mean, to me, it's like, yes, my house overall is like, you know, a nice 60-something degrees. Like, and outside, it's 40 right now because the wind, plus wind chill. It's genuinely been 40 here. I don't know what it's been like in LA. It's always uh, hotter where you guys are, but like. It's cold enough for me to whine about it. Yeah, it's like nice in our house and then I have the AC on me, like is literally what's happening. (laughs) I wake up cold. I have strange dreams because I'm shivering. It's fine. I sound like a dying Victorian child, but it's it's not that bad. I sleep okay. It's the vibe. But I have been sleeping worse than usual. You just carry around a little lacy handkerchief and then at a certain point, the piano music is going to swell ominously and you're going to do a dainty little like... (laughs) into your thing and then there's going to be blood in it. You know what? This joke doesn't play as well during a pandemic. You're right. Well, you know what? I mean, we're all dying of a different consumption. (laughs) 
Yeah. And media for consumption. Me media. Am I right? Oh, wait. From the mainstream media. <laughs> no, it's fine. We were doing the same bit. So now I'll do my peaches. My first peach is that I idly designed like my dream keycap set. I love it, by the way. Thank you. They're based on Sony Dynamicron, like blank VHS covers. And I was like, what do I have to do to get this made? And I was like, oh, this is a long shot. There's no way this can happen. Emailed a plastics company and the shit's happening. So at some point I will have a keycap set out. Hopefully, God, please hold me to it. I am so excited for that. Yeah, it's me like making a thing to sell selfishly so I can have it. Yeah, of course. But that's why we do any of the things we do. And if people want to join us along for the ride, then come on over, kids. Get your keycaps. <laughs> Somebody standing on a corner in a trench coat and just being like, hey, kids, you want to buy some red switches? <laughs> <laughs> I got the holy pandas. <laughs> I got those Zelioses, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I lubed them myself. <laughs> I can lube them for you. I've got the right kind. Not the box switches, though. Those come pre-lubed. <laughs> None of those shitty little plastic stabilizers. <laughs> I can get some O-rings for sure. <laughs> pre-lubed is the most ominous thing you could say about an object. <laughs> anyway, my second peach is also keyboard-related in that I received in the mail a set of keycaps that I've been very much looking forward to, which are Jelly Palm keycaps yeah. in the mochi colorway. Their uh, palm is a different type of plastic that's very hard and almost waxy and much thinner than the plastic that's used for regular like double shot keycaps and shit. Mm-hmm. But it's fucking gorgeous and I'm obsessed with them because the only thing that brings me joy in this life anymore is terrible media and keyboards. Uh, and then my third peach is Starbucks pistachio latte. Bro, I got one of those on my desk right now. Dude, me too. It's so good. I hate how much I like it. Starbucks is my one corporate indulgence right now. And like, why is it so good? Like, seriously, <sighs> pistachio latte sounds like it would be disgusting, but it's not. It's that amaretto shit, baby. It's that amaretto shit. It's why those Milano cookies taste so good. Have you read the Milanos that are amaretto, not just the plain chocolate ones between the two? There is an empty bag of Milano cookies on my nightstand right now. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> There's literally one on mine, too. <laughs> I had to do like a whole like nightstand sweep the other day where it was like, this is the detritus from my late night sleeping pill induced snacking. And it's just like, oh, so this was like an entire box of Pop-Tarts and also Lucky Charms cereal bars because I'm five years old and I eat Lunchables for dinner. I love that though. (laughs) I want a Lunchable right now. Lunchables are so good, dude. They fucking hit. Charcuterie is just Lunchables for adults. Exactly. Lunchables and Uncrustables, any sort of a bowls. Yes. It's good shit. Allie, dearest Allie, tell me three peaches. My first is that my mother has gotten her second COVID shot, so she has been vaccinated. Oh my gosh. And I'm happy. My dad is also figuring out how to get his because he is within the age group that he can get one. So soon it will be only me and my dog and the love of my life sitting around being vulnerable as fuck, wondering when we're ever going to be able to go outside again. (laughs) This is a nightmare. That's beautiful. That's a positive. Yeah, you know, it's good. I haven't been to a Target in seven months, probably. It feels three months, maybe. I'm ordering my groceries. The only thing I was going out to get still was groceries and weed. And the only thing I will get now is weed because there's less people there than at the grocery store. So I'm ordering my groceries. I'm just thinking, wow, I wonder when I'll ever get to go outside (laughs) for fun again. Just like idly wandering through a Target and being like, hmm, the home goods. I do want that set of plates. (laughs) 
I don't need plates, but it has cats on them. We've talked about this. Their design team is on point. Yeah, they are fantastic. Yeah, that's my first one is that my loved ones are getting protected. My second peach. I just ordered another set of my books. I made a sketchbook this year and it sold well. And thank you to everyone who purchased it. I'm restocking it. That's all. It's I just got it ordered. And once you restock, where can people find this? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> it's at my coffee. It's at ko-fi.com slash netboy because I love that little coffee website. It's amazing. Yeah, it's very cute and charming. And they got a great little store feature on there. So I put my book up there and it worked out great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Every time I look at the sketchbook, I'm just like, (laughs) I drew that much? Because it's like 100 pages and I was planning on a 36-page book. Oh my God. Yeah, you made a physical object, a tangible object. It's physical. I'm looking at a pile of them in here that were poorly printed. Sorry to my printer who I will not name, but yeah, they were poorly printed. So they were just sitting there as rejects, but they're still beautiful because it's my art. The fuck? Yeah. It's incredible. Everyone buy one when it restocks because Allie is perfect and amazing and just draws the best titties. Thank you. Especially demon titties. Hey, we'll talk about the milk (laughs) after I get some mommy shit. (laughs) My next peach... I have a little studio in my backyard, which is where I do things now because it, I can't stand being in my room anymore. And it has a little vent and it's essentially just a shed. But in the vent right now, there is a lizard that has been sleeping in the warmth because it's an insulated space and it's been very windy and cold. There's a lizard that decided to weather out the storm in this vent. So I just see its big, soft, white belly and its little legs and really long tail. Luckily, this lizard has survived to keep its tail probably its whole life in our backyard. And it's just sitting there. Oh, to be a lizard in a warm vent. I know, right? I keep wondering if it's dead, but I'm not going to poke it. I'm not going to find out. Right now, I'm just going to love the idea that it's hibernating because I had a gecko and I know that they don't move sometimes when it gets cold. (laughs) (laughs) You got that cold-blooded shit. I don't know how animal blood works. Whatever. What I really care about is um, seven-foot-tall vampire mommy titties. Oh, my God. She's cold-blooded, too. (laughs) I'm going to be forced to play this game, and it'll probably make me motion sick. But, like, I guess it comes down to, realistically, I will watch somebody else play this game. But, like, I want to be smothered in the vamp bosom. It's, like, so large. (laughs) And, And people kept sending me the screenshot of the blonde lady in that one, like, you should cosplay this. And it's like, I would like to... I don't think y'all can control yourselves and not make me regret this. Yeah. Freaks. Horny people have no rights, uh, as we've just demonstrated. And I have signed them away. (laughs) (laughs) Willingly. Years ago. (laughs) It's in my will. It's fine. What are other important topics that we need to hit before we end this episode? This is the first time I've ever been at the helm without Brian. We should probably start by shit-talking Brian. Like, what was up with that fucking bit, dude? Like... I don't know, man. I don't know who he is anymore because like his whole brand is antagonism. And like every week it was exciting for me. You know, I act like I hate it, but it's like at the 75% point of the episode, my energy is dwindling and me getting performatively angry about something really juices me up. And so this is sort of like the trope in um, movies and TV shows where like the supervillain and the superhero are after each other all the time. And then the superhero succeeds or whatever. And then they have like a villain breakup. And then the villain's like, man, I wish I had the hero to change. It's that, but devoid of all the horniness that that trope would otherwise imply. No, that trope is just disgusting. Terrible thing. Well, folks, Allie and I just... (laughs) 
we Brian left and we just talked for almost an hour, like literally screaming. I'm looking at my waveform and it's just like Pete, like <laughs> it goes off the fucking rails. Brian knew though. He knew. He vacated the premises. <laughs> It was like essentially giving us permission, which is fucked up of him, honestly. Yeah. We should blame him. So, folks, I don't know if you heard um, even a minute of <laughs> that horrible conversation, but I think the promise is we'll cut it out and heavily edit it and then put it on the Patreon, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I was not kidding about it just being an hour. <laughs> like, I was like, it's going to be an hour of us saying disgusting things about women. And it's, oh, it went so far past. If any of that made it in. <laughs> We say these things, <laughs> we are women. This is a disaster. This is an unmitigated disaster, folks. <laughs> this is a shit show at the fuck factory. Shit show at the fuck factory, baby. <laughs> All right, folks, watch Succession, read Geek Love. Don't read Unit 731 because you'll have a bad time and you will have nightmares about it. Allie, thank you so much for coming on this show. Literally anytime. That hour especially of us screaming was very healing. <laughs> it was. It really, really brought it all together for me. It truly did. We brought it home. I felt like I was a little low energy during episode and then it all just like came shooting out like a coffee shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a gradual buildup. I was vibing though. I was low energy. I, I felt like I was very focused. No, you did great. I'm on a lot of Adderall though. That's why. <laughs> I'm sitting in a pitch black room and have been. So everything sort of feels like it's going in slow motion. Yeah, exactly. Just like that thing that you can do in Cyber <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> My Sandivist activated. <laughs> Great. That's the end of the episode. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> stay safe. Come hard. Allie, will you stay safe? Come hard. <laughs> I already am, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right. That's the end of the fucking episode. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Knight, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>